0: Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com, the podcast where we take you back through all eight games from the round. The first one of the year, round one, is finally done and dusted. My name is Chris Kennedy. Kenny Scott, perpetually jaded West Tigers, super fan, he's back for another year. Kenny, thank you for being here.
1: I think perpetually jaded is probably the most description ever, anybody's ever used to uh, introduce you with. So thank you, great to be here,
0: CK. And it's our very great pleasure to welcome, for his first time on the podcast, Warriors winger, Ken Momalo. Ken, thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, cheers, Chris. Appreciate it.
0: Mate, uh, absolutely super win for you guys uh, yesterday. I know there's a lot of hype around uh, the Titans and all the changes they made, but I thought you guys, you know, you had some some new faces come in. Obviously, you know, Fanua, Blake, Murdoch, Masila, Bailey, Siren, and all fantastic in the forward pack. And um, probably not new faces, but yourself, uh, Fusatua, Lisa, Naimau, and Bunty Afo, all, you know, almost new players from coming back into the side. So very much new look Warriors outfit and, and a fantastic performance.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, you know, like you said, it was a awesome performance by the board yesterday. Um, uh, I guess it's been a while uh, since I've been back, me and Fuss. Uh, you know, obviously going back home um, last year, uh, mid-year, but yeah, it's been a long time since we played and uh, I guess it was good to get out there and just um, get a feel of what first grade was about again and just, um, uh, yeah, I guess just get the feel for it. But yeah, I, I guess... On yesterday's performance, I thought it was a, a real gritty performance we had um, yesterday against, a, like you said, a good tight side that, um, you know, was really strong um, coming into the game. And, you know, um, I think, um, you know, our forwards was a really uh, um, factor for us yesterday and just leading us forward, you know. Um, you know, past couple of years, we have sort of relied on our backs to sort of get us out of trouble. But... You know, this year, we, could, we can uh, you know, rely on the forwards now, and um, you know, the backs can just hopefully score the tries now. <laughs>
0: How did you, you find it out there? Because it, it was the earliest game of the, the weekend. No one else had to play um, a day game. It looked very hot there at Gosford. Obviously, we got some new rules that um, you know, got a bit scrappy at times, but it just looked like it was sort of really stifling conditions. You obviously needed the, the drinks break to, to get through as well. Was it, was it tough going?
2: yeah yeah it was it was actually pretty hot when we got to the ground um I think the doctors called it um they said to call the twenty minute because it was just so hot and um the high. there was a high risk of someone passing out if we played forty minutes so um but yeah now it's just humid. it was one of those games where you just had to hold the ball you know um i guess um you know running hard and just uh, i guess holding the ball um Yesterday was, um, but yeah, it was like slippery as, um, you know, I rather play in rainy conditions than that humid, um, sort of slippery conditions. So yeah, it was, it was ugly.
0: You guys, obviously, um, you know, it's nice that you've got your families over here with you. We can, we can hear a bit of that in the, the background uh, at the oh, moment, yeah. but yeah, it must be nice having the, um, having the, having the family around you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's good having our family here. Um, you know, everyone, all the boys' families here now and um, we're all based out in Central Coast now, and, um, which is uh, really good. Um, you know, it's it's like home now. We can sort of just come home and come home to our kids and that. Um, whereas last year was a bit different. But um, yeah, I guess being our family here now, it's uh, made us more stable than, um, I guess, feeling like home. So, yeah. how,
0: how, how has it been um there on the, the central coast i mean like you said sort of the players are having their families around it it's a bit more homely but also just playing out of central coast stadium hopefully just for half the season we you know it could end up being the whole season but um winning at your adopted home ground uh in round one and, and you're back there in round two a chance to turn it into a bit of i know you'd rather be playing out of auckland but a chance to turn it into a bit of a, a mini fortress for you guys
2: yeah, you know we've we've left we left a good um, mark here last year as well. Um, yeah, you know we've we got a lot of Central Coast on board last year because of what we've done, we done last year and you know, the sacrifice we've done, and um, I guess the games we won last year. Um, I think we won a lot of um, people's um, opinions, and I guess for them to cheer for us last year. And um, but yeah, Central Coast has been good. For, for the family and there you know my family lover here you know the beach is just down the road um, coffee spot just down the road nice. uh, my pools my nearly in, in the pool nearly every day and <laughs> to get to that point where it's laundry every every half an hour but uh, uh, but it's all good um but yeah fine wow. Central coast has been good for us you know um we wouldn't probably want to go anywhere else if uh, rather than Central coast if we're to stay here for the rest of the year. So we'd love to stay here for the rest of the year if we, uh, if we have to. So,
1: um, Ken, you guys have started a year with a brand new coach. You've got uh, a whole new set around you. Field goals being brought in. Um, you know, half the team's been training in New Zealand, the other other half back in Australia. you have all come together for the start of this season. Um, what's been the main difference in terms of, um, like, the look and feel of the team with, with those massive changes at the top?
2: Yeah, um, I guess it's brought a, I guess, a lot of change in terms of um, just wanting to, you know, be better for the team. Um, you know, we've we've got a lot of um, top signings that we've come over, and you know, a lot of new recruits, and um, I guess we've got a lot of staff as well that are all new. Um, it's just, I guess, wanting to work for the team now and. Um, knowing that we've got a a good roster and just, you know, um, a good coaching staff that's um, there this year um, that we could rely on now. And just, um, I think, just wanting to be better for the team and just, um, you know, really um, working to our potential. You know, the Warriors have, um, you know, they've always had a good team and um, on paper and, you know, it just hasn't been shown in the past couple of years. And, uh, I guess with those people coming in, uh, new signings and new um, staff, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been great and it's just um, you know, made us really work for our spots and um, make us be here.
1: And so obviously, look, it's only around one, you know, beating the Titans, I understand it's not beating the Melbourne Storm at the end of the year, but everybody had big reps on that team coming into this year. And from what I can see, it was a pretty dominant display. That must be a real confidence boost for you and, and all those new recruits as well.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, we, you know, no team is, um, you know, easy in, in our own. And, um, you know, we all, we all knew that tight ends were going to be tough. And um, we also knew we had a good side too. Um, I guess uh, I think they had got the talk um, about their team, but we were sort of the underdogs and... Um, but yeah, we've got a good side this year, and you know we're really looking to um, to you know push through this competition and um, um, sort of not make up um, for the past couple of years. So yeah.
0: And you've got um you're back at home, like I said, the the Central Coast again in round two. You've got the Newcastle Knights. I don't know if you saw much of their uh, round one game, but they they were pretty convincing against the Bulldogs. Have you had a chance to see any of their game, or, or what are you expecting from from Newcastle next week?
2: Um, no, I don't. I didn't really watch um any of the game. Um, but you know Newcastle is a good side. Um, you know they're they're a strong side, and um hopefully Brownie's got some tricks. Um, since, he,
0: since he was the <laughs> yeah.
2: old coach. Hopefully he's got some tips there for us that we could um, be in favour on our side. So, yeah, we'll wait and see.
0: Well, Mate, uh, I appreciate you, your time today. It's, um, you know, done us a huge favour jumping on. So um, congratulations again on the w- on the win yesterday. Congratulations on the performance. And, uh, yeah, all the best for the season ahead.
2: Oh, no, thanks. thanks, Chris. And thanks, Kenneth, um, for being here and having me. Cheers, brothers. So
0: we'll kick on to the other seven games of the round, uh, starting with the last one that uh, just finished before. The Dragons and the Sharks, a spiteful affair in the in the wet in the local derby. A um, Bit of a fight back there from the, the Dragons midway through the second half. They were looking very sloppy in the first half, but then uh, Sharky's pulled away again. Could you take much out of this one?
1: I'll tell you what, I have, a, I have a confession to make. I tipped the Dragons to win this game because I thought, you know, everyone's piled in on the Dragons being a you know, they've got no hope this year. I think they're one of the most popular choices for the wooden spoon. And I thought round one, they're going to come out firing. And then that, like that first half that they dished up was awful, like dead set awful. There was like the errors Errors at a dummy half. There was one point where there was no, no one at dummy half and the Sharks just, you know, mm. got possession back. Really weird stuff like that. I mean, the second half was obviously a lot better. It looked like they were on, looked like they were actually building up momentum to, to, to take the lead at one point. Um, and then when, uh, Cody Ramsey was denied, I guess the game sort of swung back to the Sharks, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a mixed bag for both teams. I think the Sharks looked really strong right at the beginning. Um, that's for sure. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it it all swung back to the Dragons, but I think the the takeaway for me is the Dragons, um, if they didn't have that horrible first half, it probably could have, it could have been a different result for them.
0: Yeah. It's interesting one. I thought, um. I thought Ben Hunt tried really hard. Uh, I thought Andrew McCulloch tried really hard. They, they had some, you know, some good performances in there, but just cohesive team-wise sort of performance. And like you said, just all the the pretty mediocre errors, uh, especially early and late, just just really crueled them.
1: Yeah, I don't know if... I mean, a lot of it might have had to do with the weather as well. Like, it was a
0: shocking day. It was just... It was cold. It's
1: wet. It's <laughs> seven, 7 o'clock on Sunday night. It's dark. and And, you know, there's about three men and, and a dog there cheering you on because the weather's so horrible that might have had a lot to do with it i think as the year goes on yeah they'll get better but uh, i i want to go on the record right now to say that uh trying hard no longer counts it has like as, as a long as as you've said a, long, a, a jilted uh, tigers fan i can name plenty of tri- plenty plenty of players that try hard um and yield zero results so from now on you've got to do more than try hard you've got to actually uh, play well
0: what about the Sharks? Plenty of sort of pressure on, on coach um, John Morris. We had, you know, Moylan, a lot of, lot of eyes on him sort of coming back after a, an injury ravaged 2020. I thought he went okay at 5'8". You know, Chad Townsend steering the ship around with Sean Johnson obviously out uh, long term. Josh Dugan had a pretty handy game, another guy that's battled some injuries in recent times. Um, he was part of that fast start scoring a try at centre. Will Kennedy at fullback, I, I really liked. He's sort of seen him around a little bit the last couple of years, but really sort of turning into a, you know, a good first grade fullback now.
2: Yeah,
1: a lot's been said about, about John Morrison and, and, and his coaching. And they, they have pointed this out in the, the Fox TV commentary as well. Like people, it's, it's a question about, you know, uh, are the Sharks going to retain him? What's he going to do? Blah, blah, blah. But the Sharks continuously look like they're a pretty well-coached team um and so all that feedback is somewhat um uh well i don't know if it's surprising is the right word but i necessarily think it's warranted that's for sure but for me the standout was uh chad townsend he was just he's just one of those solid halfbacks that um he's like a he's like a fancy jeff robson like he's not uh, like a you know like a top shelf Jeff, jeff robson in that like he's not this superstar halfback that that you know people go on and on about but he is just – he's always delivering consistency and quality, and that's what you want um, in someone that's, that's there to lead the team around. And Wayne Graham, of course, had, had a good game, but he you know, he always has a good game.
0: Yeah, you touched on being a well-coached team. I thought if there was an example of that, it was that scrum play uh, in the second half where they sort of uh, – Townsend whipped around and they made a numbers advantage on the left and sort of quick interchange of passing. And I think Kennedy was the one that finished it off um, – in the corners, obviously worked on that um, over the off season, but other than being a nice piece of coaching, I thought it's also a really good reason why we need scrums in the game.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm like, stop kicking on scrums. Scrums are a very useful, uh, useful junction for a set play. If you get set plays like that, you get scintillating rugby league.
0: Yeah, I did. I did enjoy that from the Sharks. Um, moving ahead or back or whatever. You, this time travel is confusing me. But the the Raiders and the Tigers. Um, what did you make of it? There there were some real coach killing, fan killing moments from from your boys in this one.
1: I I I don't know. I I went into trial form counts for nothing. But I foolishly thought that the, except for when it counts, except for when the Tigers win. Um, in their trial game, so. I, I, I didn't, whilst I hadn't convinced myself that the Tigers would win this game, I thought they were a pretty good chance. Um, but, like, I don't know what happened there. The, the attack just seemed like it wasn't there. The, the whole second half, it seemed like they didn't actually know what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and, like, credit to the Raiders. The Raiders, uh, you know, refs falters will say they were offside all the time, but I don't think that's the case. They were just really fast in rushing up in defence and just crowded – um, crowded, uh, little crowded, um, Brooks and, um, crowded M and couldn't get, couldn't get any passes away. Um, they were always flat when, when, um, taking the ball up and it was just, um, yeah, like the Tigers are going to have to do something with, um, with BJ he's, he's, whilst his aggression is, um, uh, useful to spark spirit, I suppose he ends up giving away a hell of a lot of penalties. Um, and that just needs to be contained somehow. I don't know what you do because it's been he's been dishing up that stuff for his entire career, um, but it's getting to the point now where it's becoming really, really expensive. Um, but the highlight for me uh, from the Tigers' perspective was Dane Laurie at fullback. He looks like we haven't had someone look that comfortable at fullback since Sadesco was back there. So um, good signs for the future, but that something needs to happen. I think once Embi, I don't know where Embi goes in round two when Dewey gets back, but I think Dewey and, and Brooks and halves will be a lot better um but yeah it was a it was a pretty poor performance from the Tigers but the Raiders I thought did really well um like I said they're, they're in defense they were just so energetic and they were so quick I don't know like how long they can hold that out because like we've all we've all um heard the talk about how fast paced the game is and how it saps all your energy and things like that perhaps against another team a different team it might not be a, an 80 minute uh tactic that they can sustain but it certainly worked with this one
0: yeah, we'll talk more about the Raiders in a minute, but before we get uh, past the Tigers, I agree with you about uh, Dane Laurie. I just thought he was very, like you said, he looked comfortable. I thought, yes, he did. He also looked just very involved. Like whenever there was something happening, he was sort of sniffing around that ruck, which is a very Tedesco-ish trait, just to constantly put yourself in in positions to receive the ball or or make a difference. Um, so some very bright signs there. Um Luke Brooks, I thought, looked other than a few sort of, you know, clunky pieces of play, I thought he had some really nice moments. Like, he at least looks like he's sort of trying to step up and and run the team. Um, Joffrey Gowie and James Tamo both, I thought, were really strong uh, up front. I think this is probably going to be a a better pack this year than last year. Um, Are most of those fair comments? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think
1: we've lacked forwards. The Tigers have lacked forwards forever, it seems um and yeah getting two seasoned uh campaign, especially like a leader like Tarnow was always going to be good and yeah he had um he had a bit of a HIA situation I think which he recovered from which was great um and yeah sorry I, I don't mean to say it was all low lights but there was like you said there was a, a lot of coach killers there was how many forward passes were caught like mm. more than there should have been that's for sure um so yeah there's still lots to work on
0: yeah players almost overrunning the passes so whether it was the person doing the passing or the, the the runner i'm not sure who to blame in those situations there was just some some real timing issues but um for the raiders it was it was very impressive um, i mean for me ryan james i just i'm so happy to see him back and, and uh, i'm sure you didn't enjoy seeing him score against your side but seeing ryan james back and, and scoring tries and enjoying his rugby league it's very hard not to be happy for him as, as any as a fan of any club
1: I am not that one-eyed, but I would deny it. I would not celebrate a Ryan James try, and it was a great try as well. It was just mm-hmm. solid, hard running right over the line, and you could see the like the the satisfaction in his in his his you know celebration. He looked like he had been waiting uh, to to taste that feeling for what two years now. Um, so good on him.
0: And just um, I mean, just generally, they looked well coached, well drilled, nice and fit. Hudson Young, uh, taking over from John Bateman on the edge, was uh, almost the best player on the on the field. You know, Tupper at lock, George Williams, um, very um, dangerous in, in the halves. So, um, you know, Josh Hodgson probably wasn't um, you know dynamic, but he, he certainly got through his injury comeback um, like he'd never been away. So um, ominous signs, I guess, for uh, fans of other clubs that the Raiders getting it done in round one.
1: Mm, agreed
0: straight through to Saturday night football and uh, geez, bad signs for the Cowboys out of this one. We thought, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Todd Payton. I've, I've said it um, o- over the summer. I, I think he's made some, some good moves, but um to, it's a bit like the Tigers, just some some poor mistakes and some worrying signs for the Cowboys. And, and Penrith on the on the flip side of that picked up almost where they left off. Concerns over how much experience they lost in the offseason, but um Cleary was in absolutely everything. The you know forwards were energetic. You, you know, you lose a James Tamo and then someone like Spencer Lenny is ready to step up and just um, smash blokes through the middle. You know, has gone, but Brian Toto was in absolutely everything. Um so yeah, good signs for for one team and bad signs for the other.
1: Mm, yeah it wasn't like I, the Cowboys got got smashed but it wasn't all bad for a good what 50 minutes or so they were really defensively they were really yes. sticking it to Penrith like they were holding them out i think it was it was only 8-0 yeah it was 8-0 at halftime at least and that was after it it seemed like the Cowboys didn't ever really have uh any any sort of attacking position Probably because every time they got the ball uh, in their in their um, attacking half, they dropped it a lot, or you know had a poor uh, poor fifth tackle option. So they've only got themselves to blame. But defensively, they were they were very good for you know sixty percent of the game, which you know sixty percent's <laughs> not. Uh, you need to be good for hundred percent of the game. Um, everybody knows that. But uh, there are there are highlights that, that Todd Payton can take away. Like you know this is this was his first game um as the head coach. It, it takes time, et cetera, et cetera. I, I only hope that. Um, fans and um, those in the media don't, don't pile on on him immediately. There's, you know, there's a long season to go and I don't think they looked any worse than the Cowboys that, we, that, that finished the season last year.
0: I'd be very interested to see how that game would have panned out without the errors. Like you say, the defense was slick. Penrith are having a real time trying to get past that defensive line, despite having an absolute mountain of ball, especially uh, in the first half. The, the juice kind of, um, you know, it was a bit too sapped in the, the second half. But yeah, you're right. D- defensively, they did some really nice things. But um, yeah, you've got to hold the ball if you, if you want to be a chance.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I thought um I, like uh, Clifford seemed just a little bit out of touch. I think he's probably needs um a couple more games to get back in the swing of it. And there are some like you know there were some odd tactical strategies from the coach. Like I don't know what the plan is for Jason Talmalalo but he you know what he made like what five hit ups when he normally makes a million. Um and you know I don't know what he's what, officially what his game time was, but it was just a very different use of him as a player. And I don't know what the long term strategy around that is, but it just didn't really seem to have any effect in that
0: game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's certainly been the topic of a lot of discussion. The uh, stats line that I have here is 51 minutes, uh, 73 running meters and 23 tackles made. Um, so certainly a quiet game from Big Jace. So I know Todd Payton spoke afterwards about needing to preserve his career. You know, he's signed for another six years after this one or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So you can't just burn him into the ground asking him to to make 200 plus meters and 40 tackles every game for the rest of his career and you know the other tackles other forwards sorry are going to have to lift around him and um also singled him out for a um, a bit of criticism for a, a defensive effort saying you know if we let jace get away with that you know the younger forwards are going to think that that's the standard that we're setting so he also wants to see more from from tamalolo defensively so he's sort of i guess showing that uh reputations aren't going to count for much this year and uh, probably the other thing on on that topic is also Val Holmes being uh, moved back out to the wing despite having stated that he he wants to be a fullback and and coming there on pretty decent coin
1: yeah I mean like you can't you pay fullback money in their best positions on the wing you know you've got to play them where their best position is and I think St George fans will will know all about that conundrum that's for sure Mm -hmm.
0: what about the the Panthers I I'm in the camp, of I was a bit worried about the experience they'd lost. I was a bit worried whether guys like Crichton and Luai and all these young guys can can kick on and be just as good, if not better, this year than they were in their, their breakout seasons. But admittedly, the Cowboys didn't make it too tough for them. But, um, yeah, Cleary in everything and the young guys are all good. Again, they look very energetic and, and we're having just as much fun, you know, playing alongside each other as they were last year. So top four again, perhaps. Yeah,
1: I I had uh, I, I have officially put them in my the bottom four of my top eight. I think I put them at six because I thought just, you know, the, the weight of expectation and, and last year they they got by on just like the, the most cohesive team I've seen in the last 10 years. They all just look like best mates hanging out with each other every day. And then, you know, they've made the grand final and they lost and now everyone's, you know, the expectation's on them to win and like to win it this year. And on top of that, there's, you know, there's contract drama. People are being pushed out. There's talk about how much money certain guys are on and all that sort of stuff. I just thought whilst it wouldn't ruin the cohesion, it's just going to chink at it just a little bit. And so I thought maybe they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't be as slick as they were last year. But, you know, like round one, it's only a long season, but it doesn't look like anything's changed. They were fast. They were fit. They were happy. We said that, like, I can't remember how many times we said on this podcast last year, how happy they were. And they, again, they just looked happy. Um, like they're just really enjoying playing with and for each other and, um, and a, a, another team you know having sustained 60 minutes of, 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 of pure attack and only coming up with eight points another team would have sort of you know cracked it and, and, and maybe gone away and started trying to do things for, for like for cheap points but they didn't they stuck they stuck to it and eventually they cracked it and then the points came and boy how did they come towards the end of that match.
0: But tougher to tests obviously a await ahead. Maybe not next week at Bankwest against the Bulldogs, but the week after against the Storm, and um, as the season wears on. So, you know, like you said, interesting to see how much last year either added to them or, or took out of them. Um, going back to the the previous Saturday game, um, yeah, this was this was one-sided. The the Roosters and the Sea Eagles mainly. On paper, even before the game started, you, you had a big concern um, about how they were going to go. They're, they're full back out, no recognised number nine, a uh, sort of patched together forward pack and even the back line. And then up against the, the Roosters team that, you know, were just always thereabouts.
1: Yeah, this, doesn't this seem like a real like, retro problem for a team to have in that like, you take away one player and it just affects the team that much? Um, losing uh, Tom Trebouich, obviously, it, when when he's in the team, the team's a lot better. I'm not I'm not sure how much better they would have been with him again, in this match specifically, but without him, they're a lot obviously a lot worse. Um, and this was just as a Manly fan, this would have been really hard to watch. It didn't seem like they had anything. Um, again, you know they, they they tried and they definitely showed you know spirit and enthusiasm, but this was just. Like they, the Roosters just wiped the floor with them. It was unbelievable. Um, like James Sedesco with a hat trick. Um, your mate Brett Morris with an, with another hat trick. Even Josh Morris getting one as well. Like it was, it was, it was an amazing show of football to watch from one team. And it was just, yeah, I would not want to be um, at Brookvale Oval come Monday because oh, there'll be some, um, there'll be some uh, sorry, sorry faces. That's for sure.
0: Well, yes, regular listeners of the Sunday Session podcast will know that our alternate title is the Morris Twins Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> I got to bust out my old Morris Twin. should never, repl- never retire. Tweet again. <laughs> um, yeah, Moz just amazing. What's he into? F- outright fourth all-time tries, and J-Moz is in the, the top 15 now. Um, just absurd numbers from uh, from the Morris Twins. James Tedesco, freakish, you know, scored a try in the first couple of minutes out, leaping the, the manly backs, finished up with a, a hat-trick of his own. Um, they do face a possible suspension for Angus Crichton, uh, which is a, a bit of a blow given uh, Boyd Cordner not back until round 12 and, and Mitch Orbison retiring. Crichton was the, the new guy on that left edge. A bit of a crusher tackle. Um, it wasn't too serious, but there was a, a crusher action. So um, whether the Roosters bother even trying to fight that at this stage of the season. So I suspect no Crichton next week. But Satili Tupanua was fantastic. Um Lindsay Collins was fantastic. Luke Curie was fantastic. They're, um, they're probably can afford to to do a week without Crichton, given just how how much they hit the ground running.
1: Was there issues with? I know Jake Friend had an HIA. Are there potential issues with him on this uh, with this season ongoing?
0: Yeah, well, I mean we don't know what the outcome's going to be yet. I'd say there's. Probably a 0% chance he he plays next week. He had two concussions last year. He's had a few in the past. Um, you know, a head knock and a failed HIA in, in round one. Um, I know Freddie Lussick was pulled from the reserve grade game um, on the Sunday to make sure that he wasn't injured so he could play hooker in, in round two. Um, Sam Verrill's not quite back yet. Victor Radley, I think, not quite back yet either. So um, Freddie Lusick, hooker um, in round two. Whether Friends back for round three, whether they sort of make him take a month off just to make sure he's right. We've, we've seen the roosters consistently be uh, very much safety first with that sort of thing. So um, I guess it's a bit of a wait and see.
1: Mm-hmm
0: um moving ahead to the earlier saturday game won't dwell on this one because we uh, obviously spoke to kem or we on the podcast but a little bit of titans chat um couldn't say this when kem was on but this is the one game uh, i tipped wrong this weekend i thought the titans were <laughs> going to get it should have shown the warriors some more respect um what do we make of the titans in this one obviously hyped all through the uh, the pre-season tino faso malawi and david Fafida joining the, the pack the huge finish to to last year they just looked a bit flat and a bit clunky in that you've got to give credit to the Warriors defense for how well they they kept the Titans out but yeah just didn't seem to throw a whole heap at them and and again you know very hot and, and wearying for the players as well yeah like
1: it, it was a very hot steamy day uh, all that sort of stuff but dude like I thought the Titans were supposed to be good this year what happened like they really really like they, they you know all the hype's been on them whether that's justified or not they've made some excellent well, what sounds like excellent recruiting uh, just didn't really seem to have it. Yeah, in this game, um, I thought the the Warriors played really, really well, which we've already covered. Um, and I just didn't know if the the, the Titans showed as much difference as, as as I expected. I guess I thought Ash Taylor was um, seemed a lot more confident, um, and he had some pretty pr- pretty good plays in this one. Um, but yeah, they just. They just didn't really seem to be the, the new and improved Titans that I was expecting, but you know, it is a long season. It's only around one and there's, there's plenty of
0: football to be played. I'm sure they will improve Friday night footy. Um, the second game, a bit of a weird one. This one, I'm not quite sure still how to reflect on it. Broncos 16, Eels 24, Brisbane were up, was it 16 nil at halftime? Um, mm. Eels really struggled to, you know, just get anything going in the first half. A lot of silly errors, which we've seen from a, a few teams over the weekend. But then, um, you know, cl- classic game of two halves. Eels fought back. Reed money just <laughs> absolutely sensational. Really got them going. Out of dummy half uh, Junior Paulo Powerful up front I thought Isaiah Papali he was very close To best on ground Probably couldn't Put him in front of Reid Marnie But he was absolutely Monstrous in his club Debut off the bench um, You know, Blake Ferguson Who was under fire Last year For his lack of tries Not only scored a try But I thought Put an absolute Fantastic uh, performance in So um, As for Brisbane um, Milford had a bit Of his mojo back I thought he looked A lot better than He looked at pretty much Any stage uh, Last year Some bright signs In the first half But then sort of Back to their their bad old ways in the second.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like they, they followed a similar pattern as, as to last year and that they were pretty good, decent, if not the better team for, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 minutes and then just would sort of collapse after that. And that's that's kind of what happened here. This was this was my hero tip of the round. So I actually, I picked Brisbane because I thought Brisbane are going come to come to into this season being shot out of a cannon that would be good for at least one or two games. And at 16-0 at halftime, I was like, yep, that's right. Uh, you know, check me out. Tips are extraordinary. Um, and then it all, it all came for like falling apart. I, I don't know. You know, a lot of that could be put down to injury. They had some, what, two players taken to hospital. Um, Lodge went off after the first four or five minutes, I think. They, they lost some pretty significant kale in that game. And it was an epic game, like for for round one, this felt like it was a a grand final qualifier. Like it was the intensity of um, like what seemed like, it seemed like the stakes were huge, but just the energy and the relentlessness of play. I was actually quite worried at one point, because I thought this is, somebody's going to like collapse from exhaustion. It just seems like the, the players are putting in so much effort and the game is not stopping. It was amazing as a fan to watch. Um, but, you know, if, if, that's, if that's round one and – and they were the Wooden Spooners last year and it was an absolutely classic game to watch. It just shows how good the rest of the season can be. Um, but, yeah, there were, there were highlights with Brisbane. I thought those bombs from Milford were epic. Like, if he can keep them up, that's, that would be tough for any fullback to, to, um, to take. And, uh, you know, pick the right weather, you'll, get, you'll usually get a pretty good result out of it. Um, but the first half, Parramatta were horrible – Drop balls left, right, and centre. They were, you know, impatient. They did not respect possession. They were just trying to score up every play. And I think they must have had a pretty good halftime chat from Brad Arthur because they, you know, they they um, actually went down and uh, tried to play play uh, with some pressure and with a bit of a plan in the second half. And it pulled and it uh, it came off.
0: Yeah, they, they responded well. There were some big moments, you know, the, the Reed marnie tried to get them going and um, Marnie also the, the nice pass for Paulo's match sealer. Mitch Moses' sideline conversion at, at 16-all to to claim the lead that it looked like they were never going to get um, earlier in the, the game. So a few clutch moments uh, won by the Eels, but um, yeah, they, they won't want to be starting games like that too often. That's true. There's, before we move
1: on, there's one point I want to highlight for this game and I want to ask you CK as an Eels fan what did you think of that jersey uh,
0: look I don't like to say uh, anything unless you can say something positive so let's just pretend it was a training jersey <laughs> and uh, back to back to normal service next week yeah right I yeah. Hope. <laughs> Yes, I'm not <laughs> sure what I was doing I won't be forking out my heart for one of those uh, Knights and the bulldogs in torrential rain up there in the hunter um, bulldogs started brightly but uh, Knights far too good in the end was this was this a case of Knights good or bulldogs bad it's certainly still a work in progress for Trent Barrett's men
1: hmm, bulldogs bad maybe that's a like,
0: yeah
1: they try <laughs> they tried hard <laughs> which I've already said doesn't count but um, I wouldn't say they were bad. They just—they just got a lot to work on. So Trent Barrett's inherited a, um, a team that has a very unique set of challenges. Um, They're—you know—they're building a roster. They've got some new recruits coming in. Um, some maybe this year, but definitely—definitely definitely next year—to sort of build out the team that he wants. And I think everyone knows it's, it's going to take time. They—they—they they, they started well. Um, you know, getting the first try, and um, they—they played with energy, etc., etc. But I think Newcastle were just. Say just way too good like it would be pretty hard to travel up to Newcastle in that driving rain it was torrential on kickoff and I think it as soon as they sort of left the tunnel that's when the rain started to fall it would have been pretty hard to to get up and stay up uh, energized and enthused um for that game at that time and I think uh you know a 32-16 scoreline is probably um it's probably not that bad considering it could have been a lot worse for the Bulldogs.
0: What what positives do we have for Canterbury here? I thought Cole Flanagan showed some real promise. He He's going to need to develop further as a game manager, but I, I think he laid on all three of their tries in the end. Um, you know, certainly uh, you know, tried hard. He, he gave it everything he had, I thought. Um, yeah, Darlan, Watenis, Lesniak, a, a couple of tries on the wing. Um, you know, a few little bright spots for them.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think it all rests on Kyle Flanagan. So they've been, they've brought him in because um, they think he's a playmaker that they can build a team around, et cetera, et cetera. And he's got, like it or not, he was, I mean, he, he was, he replaced Cooper Cronk at the Roosters. That comes with them, like, a massive amount of pressure, which personally I think he, he handled quite well. Um, another team probably would have kept him on, but the Roosters are the Roosters and that's fine. And they got rid of him. So going from being essentially a reject from the Roosters to going to the Bulldogs, again, that, as a as a marquee signing, that's a whole lot of pressure to um, to absorb as well. And he hasn't he hasn't missed a beat. Like he's been um, in front of the press, he's been fine in like in media answering questions. Um, he's been you know not just not just fine. He's been confident, and I think he showed confidence on the field. And I think um, a couple you know as weeks go by, um, he'll he'll only improve.
0: And for the Knights, I mean, the the efforts of their forward pack were pretty impressive. Daniel Saifidi in particular, um, powerful. A bit of a worry with Kurt Mann going off, given Blake Green isn't back for a few weeks. They, they put this performance on without Blake Green and without Ponger. Uh, Ponga. Um, Connor Watson, originally named at lock, was benched for the start of the game and then pretty much played. I guess it's five eight for the rest of the game with with Kurt Manoff. So, um, under a fair bit of adversity, still on, able to put on a, a big score. Um, Bradman Best had to go off as well. Um, I think it was an ankle injury, but he he missed the last quarter of the game. So, um, yeah, missing quite a few troops, still able to put on um, a good win. Yeah, exactly. And I think
1: that's the you can tell the people of the Hunter are hungry for further success. I think that that game was a sellout, like seventy five percent. COVID limited capacity, sellout, and they did not disappoint. Yeah, the forwards did really did did excellent. So I think the majority of the tries came through um, just forwards bashing up straight through the middle, um, which is easier to do in such wet conditions when you know traction on the ground is a lot um, is reduced. And um, yeah, I think they you know they racked up thirty two points without Kalen Ponga um, shows that there's a lot more there's a lot more football left in that team.
0: The first game of the round all the way back there on Thursday night, the Storm and the Bunnies looked like it was going to be an absolute um, clinic, a whitewash from the, the Melbourne Storm um, early on. But the the Rabbitohs, who plenty of tipping to be there at the business end of the season, fought back in a big way. Um, Latrell Mitchell, just absolutely phenomenal. I've said a few times through the offseason, he looks big and angry and hungry and fast and powerful after uh, missing the end of last year with that hamstring strain. And um, yeah, he was phenomenal. But for the Storm... Pappenhausen, Munster, Welch—just amazing. The
1: Storm. Uh, if if the Storm, I I love the Storm, and that's purely because they're based in Melbourne, and I you know a successful team in Melbourne is really really important. If the Storm were you know Manly or Parramatta or the Bulldogs, I would I, I would hate them so much because they're just like everyone said it—they lose Cameron Smith, they get Harry Grant, they lose Cooper Cron, they get Cam Munster. Like they just keep rep like bringing out they lose Billy Slater and get Ryan Pappenhausen. They keep turning over and developing these these great teams and you know the new big 3 was on show on Friday night and uh, on Thursday night sorry and it was it was it was absolutely amazing watching those teams in that first half watching those players and that team play because not only do they do they play well obviously they they're great players but they play this really fast exciting brand of football which is not something you would always say about a melbourne team that's been you know um accused of wrestling and slowing down to play the ball all that sort of stuff but ryan pappenhausen just looked unstoppable that first half he like it, it's like the because the way he played in the grand final in the club church to he was on fire that night it's like that game didn't stop and he just kept going running into this one he was just fast hungry um enthusiastic whatever you want to say it was just it was it was excellent to watch
0: Honestly, wouldn't be surprised if either of the fullbacks from that game end up being the uh, the Dalian winner at the end of this year. They were both just heavily involved and, and just riding everything and, and just look like they're in for a, a huge year. Um, Souths, uh, I mean, this was the best performance from a losing team of the weekend, I thought, by a long way. As bad as they were in the, the first half, the, the fight back to do that against Melbourne in Melbourne, um, I thought showed some real ticker. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss is I... Benji Marshall was brought on in the first half for a forward. And from that point in the game, Benji Marshall, Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker, plus Damian Cook and Latrell Mitchell were all on the field at the same time for the rest of the game. And I'm not entirely sure who was playing where, other than they are all out there <laughs> doing stuff and doing it pretty well.
1: Just chuck it around. Chuck it around and do something. And that's <laughs> sometimes that's what you need to
0: do. <laughs> Let the boys play. Um, yeah. Yeah couple of new recruits as well. Josh Mansour uh, down there. He was all right. Jai Arrow off the bench. Um, just absolutely threw himself into his work. 176 metres in 45 minutes as a, a bench forward. Um, he's going to help out um, Cam Murray in the, in the middles. Tom Burgess, a bit of a concern, had to go off uh, mm. with a, a burner um, much like uh, happened to John Asiata the, the following night. It sounds like both players are okay, but um, yeah, a bit of a worry early in the season for South, but probably the I guess the good news for them is just how many good forwards they have at the moment. Probably the whole pack's a bit underrated as a, a unit, but um yeah, plenty of, of good forwards at the moment.
1: I don't know. Like do you think the pack's underrated when most people have chipped south to be, you know, um uh, finish in the top two, I reckon. Yeah, but it's Pretty all, sure how good the pack
0: might be. Yeah, it's all Walker and Reynolds and Latrell and and all this mm. Damien Cook. It's not so much, you know, you don't talk about South and go how good the pack is. And even, even last year, like you know, Tavita Totola's doing great things, but I don't hear him being tossed around in the same breath as um, a lot of the other high profile forwards, or even Tom Burgess really. Even though you know the Burgess is a pretty big name, it's um, yeah, just a, a lot of guys sort of working well together. I think. Yeah. All right.
1: I stand corrected. I'm sorry.
0: I'm <laughs> <Don't>, sorry <laughs> to argue my case. I can't be wrong on the book, uh,
2: <laughs>
0: It's pretty much um, the end of the uh, the eight games. Any final thoughts before we, uh, before we go? I,
1: I genuinely just, again, back to that Broncos and Eels game, I, I could not believe how epic that game felt. And it was round one, game three, you know, it just—if that's—if like—if if the season continues like that, I—I I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like towards the end. So I'm—I'm I'm really excited. 2021 is going to be the best season ever.
0: We're in for a good one, Kenny Scott. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on the first Sunday session of 2021. Thank you as always.